you like to binge watch TV, did you know you could binge listen to podcasts? Head over to electronicmediacollective.com where they have podcasts for days. You like podcasts about wrestling? They have that. Do you like podcasts about TV and film? They have that. Do you like podcasts about horror? EMC has that too. Do you like comedy? Do you like books? Guess what? They've got you covered. Head over to electronicmediacollective.com Pick your favorite podcast today. special episode of Moose's Monster Mash. Today we are talking about a comic book? But not just any comic book. No, we are talking about Count Crowley, Reluctant Midnight Monster Hunter. So sit back, boys and ghouls, and first join us for a tantalizing teaser of terror, and then the episode will begin. <laughs> The moon was full that night in September 1983, where our host, Jerry, came stumbling out of the KSKB soundstage, still clutching her bottle of Blackbird bourbon. With her fishnets on her arms, her white face paint, and donning the red cloak of Count Crowley, she stops to take a drink. <gasps> Somebody approaches her from behind. Where is he, the person asks. He promised to help me. He lied. Huh? Jerry wonders. He promised, the stranger yells. You can't do that to someone. Uh, look, you got the wrong pool, says Jerry. Now get out of here. I have mace. It's in here somewhere. It's happening, yells the stranger. Here! He pulls a gun. Please don't, yells Jerry. The stranger places the gun in Jerry's hand, puts it up to his head. I tried to shoot myself. I couldn't do it. Tell my mom I'm sorry about Toto. Ah! The stranger breaks down and cries. Jerry looks scared and bewildered. Are you okay? She asks. I think I should call someone. The stranger yells. The bottle of bourbon breaks. And in the moonlight, we see the transformation into the Wolfman. Is that not the greatest story opener ever? I mean, it draws you in instantly. Desmalchen's writing with Kettner's artwork. And this book is going places. Count Crowley, Reluctant Midnight Monster Hunter, is an amazing throwback to everything 80s horror. It has the classic elements of horror and a, a nice nod to the stylized horror hosts that most of us grew up with, from Elvira to the Crypt Keeper and... Things like that. You might not think a comic book is a good place for horror, but I'm telling you, this is... You need to pick this book up. I had a chance to sit down with the artist, Lucas Kettner, and the author, David Dismulchin. And you'll get to hear their thoughts on this book, horror, and a few different things in life. So, sit back and enjoy the show. Up first... We have Lucas Kettner. We talk about art. 
we talk about horror. Now, Kettner's vivid imagery helps bring Dismalchin's script and characters to life in this fabulous book of horror. See what it's like to be the prop master to a comic book. Here he is, folks, Mr. Lucas Kettner. Yeah, I haven't done, I haven't really done many interviews or anything like that for this. Um, you, you write in ones, but, you know. Well, I mean, it, it's, since it's not a book, it, it's kind of a, you, you both helped make this, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, David's brainchild and baby, mm-hmm. but without your imagery, it, there's nothing to look at. <laughs> That's true, yeah. You know, I mean. Well, I think that, you know, David's in movies and stuff, but he's just more visible, and I, I mean, I knew that going in, and I was completely. Yeah. I, I like the idea of attention more than I actually like attention, so. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so I'm just like, I'm completely fine with him, you know, with, with not doing as much stuff like that, because then I get more time to actually draw the book, and that's the fun part. Well, and from other artists that I've met, I think that's how most of them feel when they're doing a book. They'll yeah. let the uh, writer take the 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 credit. And they're yeah, just like, like oh, I can move on to the next one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah, um, it's, just like, it's, like, it's like the lead singer in a band. Like, it's just you expect that, that they're the ones that are going to, you know, have the most to, to say word-wise. <laughs> oh, yeah. So how how did the marriage happen between you and David on this project? Well, um, I mean, I had, of course, always been a fan of David's uh, acting and whatnot. And uh, I, did, I didn't realize that he was, like, uh, a writer and director and, you know, just a, a really accomplished storyteller until uh, Dark Horse, I think it was way back, way back around the holidays, were just like, hey, we had this thing. We don't know what you're doing right now because the... At the time, I wasn't very visible because, you know, I've been working with uh, a few other people on creator-owned stuff, and that's the kind of stuff that, like, you don't, like, you don't really want to put out there until it's, like, ready to go, like, in the can. So, uh, they contacted me and and wanted to know if I'd be, just kind of gave it a short paragraph description. It's just like, yeah, you get to draw all these, like, classic monsters, and uh, it's got, like, a 1980s setting and vibe. And just, I was just immediately like, oh, yeah, well, you know, right there I'm in, like, like there's a foot in the door. And then, uh, they were, uh, they said, oh, well, it's, it's this guy who's, uh, David Dostmalchen, who's known for acting, his directing, and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, well, that's really cool, too. And so, just as soon as I got the first script or two, I, I was pretty sure that, you know, like, yeah, I want to do this. Um, so I just immediately started, before I'd even signed anything, I started sketching, uh, I started, you know, contacting all the people that I was currently kind of, uh, on the hook for work with, just to like sort of clear it with them to be like, hey, this might take up, you know, this might take up a good half a year, and, and I really want to do it though, and, you know. This might so be a good, point, this might be a big time sink, but this is going to be worth it for me. Are you okay with it? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. And and uh, worth it for me, but also just like, I mean, I hate missing opportunities to like draw good stories with this, just the cool, you know, classic horror stuff, which is like, I mean, that's really the stuff that like, I can just kind of switch off and, and just enjoy drawing, you know. And uh, yeah, and then and then shortly after that, uh, we just had, Dave and I had our first phone call with, uh, uh, with that amazing editor, Megan Walker, 
Um, and just kind of had her first, just like, yeah, this is what this is what a, this is what uh, happens in the story. This is what the story is really about, though. Just kind of went through a little bit of our history of horror fans and comic book people, and uh, from there we just kind of got started. Like I got at the first few scripts, um, started uh, thumbnailing, and uh, it's just been kind of a moving thing for the last five or six months or so. Nice. Yeah. I was looking at your website. You know, I've seen some of the other drawings and things you've done. Is oh yeah, is horror your preferred wheelhouse, or is it just like one of your many talents? I think it's um, it's a it's a little bit. It's hard to answer because I love doing horror and drawing horror, but I mean, there's a lot of a lot of other stuff I also really enjoy doing. But I would I would say yeah, that's my main. You know, as I was like developing my drawing style, it was mainly horror comic book artists that were sort of informing like the the sort of brushiness and the pen and ink style and all that stuff. Uh, I know for a while there I got really into like painting album covers and stuff for a uh, Portland band here called The Builders and the Butchers. And that was like really my, <laughs> got really in the weeds on like sort of the, the oil painter, painterly like Mark Ryden stuff. And, yeah. Uh, but you know, right around that time was when uh, I first started working on uh, my first comic, Witch Doctor, with Brandon Seifert, and that kind of kind of blew up pretty quick because Robert Kirkman called us out of the blue and was just like, "Hey, I'm basically starting my own label, and if you guys want on it, you can, you know, you can put your book on there." And this is at the point where we're like printing up 200 copies at Kinko's. <laughs> you know, at like the time. So we're basically freaking out and just like, yeah, we'd love to. And then that lasted for a few volumes before we got uh, sidetracked into <laughs> other projects. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I think I rambled a little bit there. <laughs> I don't know, you're fine. <laughs> you know, you you said you and David talked about, you know, like your horror pasts and stuff like that. What's your mm-hmm. uh, preferred type of horror? Like, is it classic horror? Is it like splatter gore? Like, what's your go-to when it comes to horror? I think like uh, taking like the stuff that really, really sort of got my wheels turning on horror was everything from you know Ghostbusters was like my big thing as a kid. Uh, just all the sort of old, um, not necessarily straight horror, but like you know, horror slash stuff where it's like horror comedy, horror uh, sci-fi, you know, alien, like just all the stuff that like... So kind of like the camp uh, horror. Yeah, camp horror. And then what I really got into to try to like, you know, turn, try to uh, get better at drawing, it was all, you know, 50s through 80s, like horror comics, House of Mystery, uh, Tales from the Crypt, um, just as much party rights in as I could get my hands on Swamp Thing. Oh, for sure. All that good stuff, you know. And uh, but that's that's kind of what like I was trying to look like. And then from there, it just kind of you know I ended up being able to take that in a lot of different directions. But that was like the that was the core. Like I want to draw like this type thing that kind of got me going. And so I think as a result, like it's just. Um, it just kind of got me to a place where people just associate me with that kind of like 19, you know, 1970s campy horror style. And, uh, I can do other things, but I mean, like, if, you know, if, 
if you need me to do that, I can definitely do that for you. <laughs> I think so. Well, what I mean, if, if yeah. you're looking for a good base to strive for, for like body horror, like a body horror bar to reach, that 80s run of Swamp Thing is, oh, uh, yeah. you know, it's a pretty high bar. Just, you know, graphic, you know, graphically and visually, it's, mm-hmm. you know, that that's, that, that's not, nothing to scoff at. I mean, it's, the the details in those uh, issues were phenomenal. Honestly, like, the, the, the sort of, like, I know you're talking about, like, like the sort of, like, like goopy, like, gnarled root, veiny type stuff, right? Like, the unmen and all that. Yeah. And, like, that's always, that's honestly... <laughs> Like I'm not, this isn't like like a like a, a a brag or anything, but like that kind of stuff is always the easiest for me to do. Cause, uh, and then and then you'd be like, oh here, draw a cable properly, and I'd be like, oh, I'm ruler out and like kind of a slog, but you know, I have to draw a straight like, line. Hey, draw, draw, <laughs> right, exactly. But if you're just like, yeah, draw a gnarled swampy tree, I'm just like, oh yeah, sure, here, and and it would just kind of turn out really well. So that's kind of like the, that's kind of the end of the, the, that's the point in the artwork where it's just like, that's the easy place to start from. And then like from there, you have to like sort of spiral outward to, you know, uh, line up camera shots and, uh, make sure all the characters' faces look the same from one panel to the next. And it's just like, there's all this stuff that kind of goes on top of that. But that was like kind of the core, like, skill that I was good at was, you know, just this very like straightforward, uh, organic horror. Yeah. And finish everything. Um, and it's actually like there's not a ton of that in Count Crowley. It's, uh, you know, it's a, uh, and that's the kind of books I've been wanting to do the last few years, just sort of like mundane people settings, because, it, you know, up until then I've been doing a lot of, uh, personal work that was all like fantasy and, and sci fi and stuff like that. And then I realized that, like, all the books that I was really enjoying reading were just like, you know, it takes place in like a normal city. And I wasn't very good at drawing that at the time. So <laughs> last few years, I've just been kind of like <laughs> challenging myself to just like, no, 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 you you already know you can draw monsters. Like now you need to go out and learn how to make a shopping mall interesting and stuff like that. And like if two people are talking for two pages, like how do you make that something that is like interesting to look at or follow along with? So that's what my that's what my challenge for the last few years. I can empathize with that. I do. Uh, I also do wood burnings. And, oh, uh, cool! I prefer doing the horror ones because you you can be a little bit more creative and just kind of let the juices flow with them than you can with some of the more like straightforward like comic characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I like horror, and yeah, you just need, there's something about horror that just lets you be a little bit more free about. You know, the free expression about the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, it's, um, it's just, it's such a good, like, sort of, like, core to start from. Like, uh, I mean, there's, you say, like, horror as a genre, but then, like, there's just so many different ways you can take that from, you know, uh, something that's, like, very quiet and spooky, like the Babadook, to, uh, you know, something that's just, like, so ridiculously over the top, like your evil beds and things like that. Yeah. That, uh, and I mean, I, it's, it, it's really hard to kind of blend horror and comedy. Uh, not that, not that, you know, Count Crowley is an outright, like, comedy of any kind, but it has comedy 
And I mean, that was always like one of my main things was, was like, I don't know that I would ever be interested in doing something that was, that didn't have at least some small element of comedy in it. I think that if you have, uh, there's a lot of really great horrors that don't, but it's, it's, that's not really stuff that I would be completely interested in doing. Well, um, I mean, with Count Crowley, really it has, yeah. <laughs> it's like with, with Count Crowley, it has, you know, just enough of that real life comedy in it to make it interesting. Yeah, yeah, I mean, sarcasm and and you know, getting drunk at a rent fair and like you know, it, it just makes the makes the horror that comes later like more relatable. Yeah, say it makes yeah, it makes a whole book relatable, and I think that's part of why the rollout has been such a success. Because I mean, everywhere I turn on social media right now, everybody's picking this book up. So yeah, I was I was, I was really happy to to, to see that. Um, and I know that uh, David has, has definitely been, you know, he's, he has been dedicating a lot of time to, to making the book more visible, uh, and uh, and he's doing he's doing a really amazing job at that. I, I, I you know, he, he balances that with, you know, his uh, his amazing writing skills really well. And I just talked to him on set, and he was he's over the moon with how. Uh reception has been so i mean yeah. you, you guys put out you guys have put out an amazing product oh well thank you very much yeah it's um uh david's like <laughs> his enthusiasm is like really infectious too so like as soon as you start working with him on anything like you can you, you know he's a very uh uh how do i put it like he's just He's, he's one of the easiest collaborators I've ever had on anything. It's just like, you know, he's very receptive, but he also knows what he wants in certain situations. And he's usually right about the Well, he's always right about those on the, the few things where he's just like, yeah, but it needs to be like this. There's maybe like one of those per issue. <laughs> it's just like, uh, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. He's a um, big kid. He is. He is a, he is a big friendly goth kid. Like, <laughs> who just wants to like hug the world with comics? I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, uh, nice to see somebody who grew up, you know, with you know horror and comics, and they were able to actually, you know, parlay their dream into both realms. Now at this point, yeah, yeah, and um, I'm just—it's it, nice to see that to see it turn out that way for someone that's that passionate about it too. Um, and he, right out of the gate, like, I mean, he knew, I got this, I don't know what sort of like research he did or coaching he had on formatting or anything like that, but right out of the gate, it was just like, oh yeah, this guy can like already do this better than, you know, certainly anybody else that, that I've worked with or, or, uh, experienced that like is writing their first comic book script. And I, I think that that's just because he's, uh, he's just a very, good storyteller you know he's uh the storytelling that he brings to acting the storytelling that he brings to his uh screenwriting and directing i mean that's all very present here and it's just the it may the story itself is just there's a there's a lot of really cool stuff going on in the story but it never overwhelms you it's just this really sort of smooth interesting and fun read and that's there's 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 no fat to trim you know just, well and it grabs you from the beginning thing. too yeah yeah, it absolutely does. It's just that first scene. It's just like, 
boom, there might be monsters here, and then it, it kind of goes back into the setup. And uh, I like, I definitely like stories that do that. I say, yeah, it's it's one of my favorite storytelling techniques where they hit you with a little bit of the later story, and then they're like, hold on, let's backtrack. How did we? Yeah, get here? it's just like it's like showing you like like, hey, this is what you're gonna get for dessert if you eat your vegetables for a few pages. It's like, <laughs> stick around. This is what you'll see. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, yeah, it, it yeah. definitely teases you enough to, you know, entice you to want to stay and read more. And I was ready for issue two the minute I finished issue one. I'm already pretty excited to have the rest of the issues out there because it's just like, because I know where it's going and I know that the, you know, that there's like some really great, uh, twists and like some really great set pieces and, and just, uh, also like, I mean, I, I stand behind issue one, certainly, but, like, I, I, it was, like, halfway through drawing that issue where I felt like, okay, now I'm starting to get my footing on this, and then everything after that has come a lot, a lot easier, you know. Um, and it's just, you know, you get to, I get to draw, like, creepy, creepy old horror host guys, and uh, there's definitely, definitely some monster stuff going on, and, uh, you know, a lot of little, <laughs> a lot of little 80s details. I think the first thing I did when I got the scripts was just like, okay, I need to lose. I'm basically just going to blow two nights sitting on my, sitting on my laptop and just watching as many movies as I can from like, you know, between like 1980 to 1983 and just try to take as many screenshots of mundane things like, uh, you know, office settings and, uh, sort of crowds walking out, walking down the streets. Um, and if anything just popped out as being like, I could put that in a panel and people would, and it would reinforce like the eighties thing. Oh yeah. So. I've seen the covers for the next three books and I'm really excited to see where the story goes. And the, the, the uh, anticipation is kind of driving me insane here. Oh, <laughs> well, that's a good kind of hurt. <laughs> yeah, I, I know it is. What was your uh, favorite part about drawing on the uh, Crowley books or drawing the character herself? I think it was, well, that was the first thing that, you know, as soon as David described the character to me, I, I kind of got it. It was, it was like, uh, you know, it's kind of a, uh, just this very strong female character who has a few major flaws, um, or, you know, the dark path thing. Um, but right out of the gate, what we didn't want to do was, do like uh there's nothing uh nothing against horror hosts who are like you know cleavagey and sexualized and things like that but for Gee, this I wonder who that was something that about. <laughs> 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 no and, and it's great like like you know everything from elvira to Varela yeah to uh you know a host like that it's hurt like great but we wanted to do something that was a little uh grittier and you know, it, it has to reflect, you know, the character's level of interest in doing the job. So you just, you have someone in a cut-off t-shirt with like, like, who just happened to find like a Dracula cape and a punk rock belt. And like that, that's the, that's the level of <laughs> sort of, uh, dedication to the role, even though, you know, while she's actually putting the costume together over the course of like five or 10 minutes, it's not something that most people could just do. And there's this, uh, really great underlying capability that the character has, but she doesn't realize she has it because she's hobbled by alcoholism. 
And so it's really this sort of like, you know, everyone, <laughs> you know, everyone's a, a secret superhero uh, underneath the things that are holding them back. And uh, I just thought that was a really great way to sort of illustrate that character. I thought you were going to say everyone's a superhero with a fifth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <That's two. laughs> I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of heroes where it goes the other way. You got your, uh, you know, you got your Jessica Jones, you got your, um, drunken master. But in this case, it was like, that's what the, that's what the, largely what the character was going to be about was that, um, if there's, if there's a negative influence in your life like that and it's not helping you, then you never really know what you can do until, you know, you take that element away and uh, put yourself in a difficult uh, situation without it. And uh, from there, I just started sketching. I, I think I sent, it was just like a day or two later, I just stayed up late sketching Gary that night and sent it over. And then that was kind of the point where, where, where we just both agreed that like, okay, this is good. Like we can, we can do this. We can work together. We can make this. And, uh, it was, it was very, uh, there's a lot of confidence in that, in that sort of like span of a week where we were trying to, trying to sort of feel out whether this was going to be a good fit. Well, when you, and then, when, and then once it was, the it was just page. like, oh, of course it's a good fit. So yeah, when you yeah. both be on the same page, I mean, right off the bat, that, that's gotta help a lot. Yeah. And it's done like, it's done like that, uh, the whole time because it, it's just, I mean, he, he's a very visual storyteller as well. And, uh, so when he writes, uh, when he writes a panel that's described in a certain way, um, it's, uh, there's a reason behind it, you know, it's, there's a reason behind, um, you know, why shots of the frame are framed the way they are, why, uh, certain dialogue responses are put, uh, a panel or two later, you know, there's just a really great sense of timing and that makes my job like really easy, you know, because every once in a while I'll find something where it's like, oh, it's, well, we could change it like this, but it still works It still works both ways. And, um, you know, there, there's no sense of just like, well, let me, let me fix this first timer's script, you know, there's nothing like that. And he's, he's just, a, he, again, his level of enthusiasm and uh, as, as we make the book is just very high. And so, Every time I turn something in or show him anything, he's just, like, <laughs> he's just like, wow, this is great. And then that's just like, oh, well, I guess I could put a few more hours in today. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> and it's just really been, been pretty great. I'm looking forward to uh, continuing to do it uh, after this, uh, this initial four-issue run. Well, I'll um, say that, that was leading to where I was going next. With your experience with uh, comics and stuff, do you think Dark Horse is going to pick it up for more than the four issues? I, I mean, it would just be speculation, but I, I think so. I mean, that's the general. We're, we're treating it as though that's what's going to happen. We're I just mean, assuming that just like, yeah, we're just going to, you know, it might might have just a, a very tiny gap of, of, you know, a little bit of time. But then, yeah, it's a, we're just assuming that it's just going to keep going. And so that's I, I mean, the, the, the fan reaction seems to be there. You know, the, the yeah. fan base seems to be there, so it would almost be foolish on the publisher's part not to pick it up. Yeah, I, I mean, there's all there's always concerns that I don't, I'm not aware of, and I don't know about on the publisher side of things. So um, there's really uh, anything could happen, but right now we're just 
you know, we're just assuming that uh, we're going to just be making this for a while. And that's uh, a comforting thought. (laughs) Well, I really hope you do, because this is, it's an interesting take on horror as a whole. Well, I guess horror comics as a whole, really, because you don't really get that classic vibe anymore. So it's kind of refreshing to get that nice classic throwback vibe. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is, because, I mean, you're right, I don't see a ton of it. You know, and I mean, it, it, there has been books in the past that are just like, let's, you know, let's do something like that. Uh, there's certainly the horror anthologies, uh, Dark Horse, the, you know, I did a couple stories for Dark Horse's like Crazy Magazine revival. Like all the anthology stuff is really great, but I, I don't see a lot of stories like this where it is horror and it is campy. And uh, those are elements, but there's a there's an overarching like you know there's there's like a, a story happening that is obviously going to continue for a while. Um, so all those elements, sort of like the vibe and the window dressing for just a you know very human story. And um, and I yeah I haven't seen that in in a lot of a lot of comics recently. There have been some that I can't think of right now. But <laughs> I would be remiss if I didn't ask. Are there, is there anything you can give away about the upcoming books Ooh, without, without like spoiling the books, like who the monsters well, I, are going to be or. <laughs> well, I think that the, um, there's a, there, there might definitely be a, an element of the monsters are not always the monsters kind of thing. Oh, nice. Happening. Um, or the, the characters other than the monsters at some point, might be like, oh, I, I see what they mean by monster. And there's just going to be, you know, this whole Florida run is sort of like her first sort of adventure with doing this. And uh, she's going to learn a lot about uh, just basically like what she needs to have happen in her life in order to uh, be a protector and be, uh, be someone that can uh, protect both herself and others, you know. Um, I know that's vague, but <laughs> I, I I figured it was going to be a vague answer. Yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, there's definitely going to be a lot more, uh, you know, a lot more hijinks, a lot more. Um, but it's yeah, it's it, 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 the next three issues are are a really good sort of continuation and then sort of stop conclusion. Um, so more excitement so, like, to come. Yes, and I think that uh, I, I always really you know I, tr- I try to express to people that like this will be a satisfying flight of a meal like it's not like it's not gonna it's not gonna end on something where it's just like where you don't get to know what happens in the next few seconds like this is sort of a a, a nice arc for her and uh, it's written in such a great way that the first arc just makes you want a larger longer arc but it is it is a satisfying like meal oh, that's good. before issues together in, the, in, in and of themselves and that's, I always feel that that's really important to do I think David gets that too. That like, there's going to be a little, a little tiny gap between issue four and issue five. You need to make that conclusion of issue four feel like you know you just had a had an episode and a chapter ending basically. Let's say he um, seems David seems super humbled by the experience. Anyway, he's like, if this is all I get, this is all I get. This is great. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I couldn't have asked for anything better. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, he's uh, he's in his element with this stuff, and I, I, I think that it's just going to keep going. Like, I really do. Um, with as much as, you know, Crowley doesn't like the job, do you think she would be able to hold up, if, if this were real life, 
do you think she'd be able to hold up uh, with, you know, the horror hosts like Elvira, Vampira, Crypt Keeper, and all of them? Oh, I think so. I think that she has an element that of uh, because she's reluctant to her new job <laughs> and the job behind the job. Yeah. That uh, I think that that gives her a really great uh, sarcasm. She's like she's kind of the host that becomes sort of like the self-deprecation voice for anyone watching the show. It's like you know. You guys are nerding out on these terrible movies, and I'm going to make fun of you for it while I'm introducing them. And that's like, it's, uh, it's just, there's a lot of possibilities with humor. And, uh, and I think that that really is sort of specific to Jerry as a horror host, is that she's kind of, uh, you know, she's kind of, she's kind of your, your friend introducing the movie that's, that's going to make fun of you while you watch it. I really, I really enjoy that. So before we go, I want to ask you, is there anything, do you have any upcoming projects you want to uh, promote? Basically, right now, it's, it's just Count Crowley. I have a few other things, uh, a few other things going. I've got um, a few creator-owned uh, projects that I'm working on. Um, you know, I'm starting to get offers for, you know, uh, short anthology stories, things like that. So there might be some of that in the future. Um, but really, it's just, it's just all Crowley right now for me. Um, and anything the side of that uh, isn't anything I can really announce yet. The answer is just like, oh, there will be. <laughs> I'm working. I but, can't tell you what I'm working on. But yes, look for right, my name. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like getting the artist's perspective on comics because they get to, you know, I mean, you guys get the nitty gritty of the book. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, artists in general, like, spend a lot more time uh you know, with the material on uh, on a one to one basis, um, just because it takes longer to draw stuff, you know. And uh, I think that there's a thing where where you know whatever issue artists are working on, they can tell you every single detail, of every single panel that they've drawn so far. Oh yeah. Just because they spend so much time thinking about it. Um, that's certainly the way with me, where it's just like, well, you know, I can I can tell you that I forgot to put a coffee cup in the back of you know this panel, even though it was on the previous panel and I need to go back and fix that. And you know, it's just, it's a lot of, a lot of uh, detail orientation that just, better than uh, being a prop master for getting to take a copy coffee cup out of a scene. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's a game of Thrones thing. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> what, that's what artists are in a lot. Of, and for what they have to be is like, you have to be prop masters. You have to, you know, work with the writer to find the right sort of, framing uh, for everything is sort of like, you know, how do you break up the action between the panels uh, to, to give it the impact that you want? Is it funny? Is it sudden? Is it is it depressing? Like, you know, it's just all uh, it's all just kind of working out, like, how do you sh- show people a series of images that make them feel like they're experiencing a moving thing? And uh, that's, it takes a lot of collaboration, I think. Someday I'm going to try it on my own, but, you know, writing and drawing, but I'm, I'm not in. I'm not in a big hurry because I've got so many great people to work with, including David. So. Nice. Let's do this again after the the fourth book is released and the sure. first arc has been done, and sure. yeah, we, we can recap where we're at. Absolutely. Yeah, and then you know, then you'll be able to see the thing as a whole. Yeah. Uh, the first arc and and um, 
Well, Lucas, thanks for taking the time for chatting with me today. Likewise, thank you for taking the time to to, to do this, and thanks for uh, you know thanks for having the book on your show. Thank you, and thank you, Lucas. And we'll be right back with David Dismulchin after these words from our friends over at Grawlix Podcast. In the future, roving bands of comic book podcasts will savage the wasteland, once known as the Internet. One podcast, the Grawlix Podcast, may not be the biggest, may not be the funniest, may not be the most well-spoken. Wait, what was my point again? Oh yes, the Grawlix Podcast. Listen to it at GrawlixPodcast.com. That's G-R-A-W-L-I-X Podcast.com. How about them Growlix guys, huh? Well, let's keep this show rolling. You might know my next guest from Ant-Man. You might know him from The Dark Knight. I personally recognize him as the notorious serial killer Murdoch from the reboot of MacGyver. Please, listeners, give a nice welcome to Mr. David Dismulchin. Hey, Paul. Hey, David. How's it going? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. It's fun to actually talk to you in person rather than just on Twitter. I know, man. Well, thanks for always being so supportive, <laughs> and you're super awesome, and you're a super fan, and uh, and I'm super psyched that we get to talk about something that we both love in common, monsters and comic books. Yes. What what, what could be a better combination? So, <laughs> let's get right to it. Um, Where did you come up with the idea for the story? So, growing up in Kansas City... I would watch Cremation Mortem's Friday Nightmare. The, she was the local horror host in Kansas City in the 80s, and she um, basically turned me on to all of my favorite early horror heroes, you know, all the classic Universal movies and Hammer films. And um, and, and around that time, let's say I'm 10, 11, 12 years old, I started collecting comic books as well. And I remember thinking a lot about, you know, the heroes that I'd want to create. I always thought Van Helsing was such a cool character, and I loved, you know, the, the monsters and the monster hunters that were in all of my favorite comics and so I started thinking like how cool would it be if there was a if there was a horror host but that was really just their secret identity and what if in reality they were a actual monster hunter you know and um so I thought about the idea and I played with it and and I and I would come up with different thoughts and ideas and many years you know went by and all of a sudden I I I was thinking about this this idea and how it would make a really cool television series. And I was talking to my boss at MacGyver about the idea. And he said, I love this idea. I want to introduce you to um, the people at Dark Horse because I think this would be the coolest comic book. And um, thankfully, you know, the guys at Dark Horse loved the idea. And they said, we want to help you make this. And um, and that, that happened about a year and a half ago. So for the last year and a half, I've been writing scripts, developing, you know, the look, the feel, the tone of the comic. And... Um, so this is the week, as you know, that it comes out to the public, and um, it's been just an incredible couple of days, man. Like finally getting to see people's reaction to Lucas's art and my characters—it's it's really been an, an incredible experience. Yeah, you, you're, you guys are having an incredible week. I mean, congratulations on such a huge uh, success for what sounds like a project of passion. I mean, I mean, really since I was for a kid, better. like. <laughs> You couldn't, you can't. And, 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 and you know how much I love, obviously, Werewolf by Night. Yes. Uh, you know how much I love, um, things like that. So you, 
you get it. But like, you know, being a kid and, and being a monster hound and also loving comic books, seeing this world come together. And, and it's not just a slasher story. Do you know what I mean? And to me, yeah. Jerry, my hero, and the journey that she's on is actually going to be quite funny and also really dramatic because she's got to deal with a lot of the same issues that I've had to deal with in my life, including depression and alcoholism and addiction. And um, so, so, so it's also on an emotional level. It's been a really powerful experience for me because it's, I've never thought of comic books as just comic books. Like they're not escapist, you know, entertainment to me. And I don't think of, you know, movies that way either. I think there's always, if you're going to make something that's interesting and people are going to care about watching it, you have to put something, you know, in between the lines. And I get to do that a lot with this, with this story. All right, now this is the second time I've heard you uh, liken this to a uh, TV series because you wanted to run it and you, you think it'd make a good show. This is a four-book miniseries, correct? I'm correct. Four-book, well, <laughs> yes, right now. Now, if all of the wonderful people out there in the world rush to their comic store and they pick it up and they continue to like this and it does well, then I, I mean, between you and me, like... This is the beginning. This is Jerry just scratching the surface of putting on the makeup and discovering her calling as one of the appointed. Um, but that to me just opens the door. And then I have so many here monsters and story points and plots that I have already been working on for many years that I really want to get the chance to explore. So I, my hope is that pretty soon Dark Horse will either give me the thumbs up or the thumbs well i i just hope my i'm praying that they give me a thumbs up and they say we want you to do more because um because yeah i would and i would love to see this yeah i i think that there's a very good possibility if 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 things continue to go well that this could manifest itself in the television serial um world which would be so fun for me because it's a story that has so many different ways it's going to get to go and i think if i could make you know I love things like Kolchak, the Night Stalker, and I love obviously the old, um, you know, creep show uh, kind of concept. Um, horror. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally, exactly. Um, I'm glad to hear that because, like, a, a four book run is like, no, that's just a tease. Yeah, yeah so, uh, I, know, I was I know. hoping there was well, gonna I, be I, more. <laughs> yeah, once you see what happens in the first four or two, you'll you'll hopefully. God, I mean, who knows? And you know what, though, Paul, like. I have to also be at peace with if this is what I get, if this is, if this ends up being, if this is all it is, then I am, I'm, I'm still so happy. Do you know oh, what I mean? Sure. Like, I mean, most people don't they, even get if, four if, books. If, yeah. Most people don't get to make one comic book, let alone four comic books. So if, if these four comics are what ends up being the end of the run for me, then I'm grateful. And it's been an amazing experience. Um, and so I'm just trying to enjoy the moment, but I do, I do hope and pray that I get to do it. If you could turn I mean, it into this, a you, serial. You saw it. There's a werewolf. Yeah. What's that? I said, if you could turn it into a serial, would you uh, go with more like the golden age, like universal style horror uh, or more of the modern gore? No, like no, no, no. It, it's got, it's, it's tough. Visually, I and this I've said from the beginning, and I think Lucas, has, our artist, has knocked it out of the park. I've always said that I want the monsters in the in the world of Count Crowley, and the monsters that will include, you know, wo- werewolves, vampires, zombies, witches, um, 
you name it, every creature you can imagine from the classic era of, of, of especially cinematic but literary monsters and mythology are going to appear in this in this world. I want them to look, feel, and move in a way that is incredibly reminiscent of the monsters that we all grew up loving and watching on TV and in movies. But with that being said, there's going to be a twist. All the mythology that we think we know about these monsters turns out is a complete lie. So the way that you would hurt or stop or kill or defeat any of these monsters is totally different than we've ever been taught before. With that being said, I still want them visually to look like the way that our monsters, you know, uh, that we think. But but I still wanted there to be something new and fresh and exciting about them. And that's another thing that makes me so lucky that I got to have Lucas Kettner as our artist because I think he does evoke all the classic feel of the monsters. You'll see as you get into issues two, three, and four, we get to see some other really, really kick-ass monsters. Um, and they feel traditional. They feel steeped in the history and the tradition of Universal and Hammer and Castle films, but they also have something new about them. Um, but there's going to be some gore. I mean, there will be some major violence and bloodshed, and there's going to be some horrific and hopefully scary and heartbreaking deaths and um and I want that to feel real and visceral and meaningful, but I would definitely put this more into classic horror than, than splatter gore or anything like that. Well, yeah. I mean, there's gore, then there's just gore for gore's sake. So do you think uh, in a world of TV hosts, uh, Count Crowley could hold her own in the echelon of, like, Elvira, Svengoolie, and, you know, the Crypt Keeper, and yeah, all those that came before. Totally. Well, what makes a really great horror host is their personality and the the the, the style with which they, they put on their show. Because, as you know, there are the traditional classic horror hosts who approached it very seriously, and they wanted to create a really spooky atmosphere. There's also the amazing legendary horror hosts, like the Svengoolies of the world, or Cremation Mortem, or Zatchley, who had a much more comedic approach yeah. to, you know, their, their horror hosting. And I think what makes Jerry a surprise star in this world is she doesn't give a crap about horror movies in the beginning of this show. She doesn't give a crap about she, this job to her is totally embarrassing. Like she's humiliated to do it. So yeah, it's a paycheck, but she has such disdain for horror movies and fans of horror movies that her like bad attitude ends up translating into being this wonderful character who this like, sassy, acerbic, you know, almost like insult comic horror host. And it's what's going to make people love and hate her. That's going to make her actually really popular as a horror host. So I think I envision there being scenes in the future of Count Crowley where her brother, who's her boss, forces her to have to go to like a horror convention. And I would love to have her interact with, you know, Sven Gulli or or Elvira or Cremation or any of those. I mean, I, I'm friends, luckily, with some of those people. Um, so it'd be really cool if I could ask them if I could be allowed to put them in my comic book. <laughs> oh, that, that'd be fun. Okay, so you and I have talked on Twitter so I, and a, a lot, and I know who most of your horror heroes, heroes are. Uh, but for my listeners, who are the uh, horror people that shaped you in your life? You know... Interestingly, uh, it's, it, it's, it's a lot of actors, and I think that that is probably why I got the bug for being an actor so early in my life. I always was fascinated with, and I dreamed about becoming an actor as well as a horror makeup and effects artist. When I was a kid, I wanted to, I collected Fangoria and I wanted to be a makeup effects artist, but I would say from a pretty young age, 
one of my biggest heroes, and he still is, is Lon Chaney. I think yes. um, what he did with his eyes, what he was able to do, I mean, the makeup, obviously, the way he transformed his body, his face, through the, you know, the creation of some of these iconic characters is amazing. But what he did just with his eyes, just with his, you know, with the tools that he had, makeup or not, was <laughs> incredible. Um so that is uh, that is that is one of my all time faves. I think Lon Chaney's son, actually, even though he didn't do as many transformative roles, I think Lon Chaney Jr. is uh, incredibly sympathetic and beautiful performance as as Lawrence Talbot. I love his his Wolfman and um, and Peter Laurie and you know Vincent Price and Peter Cushing and um, Christopher Lee and um, you know but all those those guys were the ones that, that I would call the heroes and the people who really like inspired me to want to do what I do for a living and I'm so lucky because now I get to play a lot of really wonderfully dark twisted complex characters and and I and I know that I have a high standard that I want to you know I have a high bar that's been set by the guys that came before me and inspired me and I want to really live up to. Um, to the inspiration that they set for me. So I, I take the job very seriously, but I also, I really love it. And, um, and I love, you know, I love getting to tell stories. And so thank you. And thanks to all your listeners and thanks to everybody that, you know, will read, um, and check this out. I, uh, I, I hope everyone will love Count Crowley as much as I've enjoyed making it. And congratulations again on such a, what appears, uh, based on Twitter and social media to be a very successful rollout. Thank Hopefully, you. I can get you on here again once your uh, once life settles back down to normal, just acting, and we can geek out about you know being a serial killer on MacGyver and uh, Universal <laughs> Monsters. I'm and actually stuff like on that. the set. I'm on the set of MacGyver right now. I'm on the set of MacGyver, and I got to go. Um, I have like a bunch more interviews to do, but um, yeah, <laughs> well, I'd love to do that. Well, thanks, man. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. God bless, man. Thank you. Well, folks, I hope this has encouraged you to go pick up Count Crowley, Reluctant Midnight, Monster Hunter, issue number one, in stores now. And also encouraged you to go pick up issue number two, available in comic book stores everywhere, on November 20th. So please, go pick up this book, support these guys, and until the next episode, mash on! Oh, <laughs>